first time here with us this morning, let me say hello, and we're so glad to have you here with us today. I want to start off, I know it's January 15th, but we're just going to pretend like it's the first Sunday for you, and this is not a rhetorical question. I want to hear from you. You guys know most people make New Year's resolutions, right? Some people are like, I don't call them resolutions anymore. I call them, you know, goals or new ha healthy habits. Sort of thing. That's fine. Everything's fine with a New Year's resolution. But I want you guys to talk to me for a second. Tell me some New Year's resolutions that tend to be pretty popular. Just throw them out there. Working out more. Yes. Exercising more. What else? Eating better. Less screen time. Love it. Okay. More video games. I'm not sure how many people make that their New Year's resolution. But these are all things that naturally people do. Something that I, uh, you know, I can look back and go, okay, a couple years ago, my goal was I want to exercise more. Okay, got that done. You may laugh at this, but literally my New Year's resolution one year was I want to make my bed every day. Now, I didn't make it every day. <laughs> Andy can tell you that wasn't super 100% successful. But for me, it was a small little thing that I was like, you know what I want to do? This makes my mind feel better. It makes me feel like I can be more, you know, just in the zone with life if my bedroom is clean and my bed is made. One goal I have this year is something that I heard is less screen time specifically with my family. So I literally got a wooden bowl for uh, one of the tables in our living room. And my goal is every time the end of my day has come, I put my phone in this wooden bowl so that I can actually be present in my living room with my people. So these are things that we do this, but why do we do this? Why do we set New Year's resolutions? Now this is rhetorical. I want you to think about this. Why do we, why do we make these goals? Why do we wanna set these healthy habits? Because we want change, right? We want something to change. But what if I told you, what, what about even deeper change? More than a clean house or getting 10,000 steps in in a day. What if there was a deeper change that was available to us? Something that was a little bit more permanent. Today we're going to learn about a man who needed a physical change, but he got way more than he expected. Turn with me in your Bibles. If you brought your Bibles today, if not, we can show you on the screen. We're going to the book of John in the New Testament, and we're going to John chapter 5. Today's message is called The Healing of a Paralyzed Man, and this is actually, the thing I love about this is all of our Every Nation churches are actually, we're all going along with the same text in all of our Every Nation churches. So this is really cool. The same church, our church in Fiji is learning about the healing of the paralyzed man as we speak. Well, different time zones. You know what I mean? All right, so here we go. The healing of a paralyzed man. John chapter 5, 1 through 15. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. There in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. There was a pool, excuse me, um, called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. This is giving us just the setting. Here's where it is. It's probably beautiful. Uh, beautiful place with the colonnades. Here are a great number of disabled people where they used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Underline that, 38 years, that is a long time. When Jesus saw him lying there 
and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And when I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The leader said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow that told you to pick up and walk, pick it up and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was. Jesus had already slipped away into the crowd. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and he said to him, see, you are well. Stop sinning or something worse may happen. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Father, I pray that what we take from this scripture today, God, that we wouldn't just keep it as a story for this man at this time, but God, that we would apply it to our hearts today. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear. God, I pray that our hearts right now would be softened to receive what you have for us today. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're just going to talk about this guy for just a second to give you an idea of, of what his life is like. Now, this scripture, remember that part I said that our underline? He's been paralyzed for 38 years. 38 years. It doesn't say from birth, and if we read in context, sometimes, or excuse me, uh, some of the commentaries actually believe that the, the reason this man is paralyzed is actually from something of his own doing. But we don't know fully, okay? We don't know fully where or how this happened, but we know it's been 38 years. Now, I'm 39, and I can't, I, I, I don't have enough time to tell you all the things that have happened in my life in 39 years. But for this man, being paralyzed and at this pool for 38 years means that He's missed out on quite a bit. He's missed out on marriage and building a family. He's missed out on finding purpose in a job or a career or, or building, building a skill to, to be in a trade. He, he, he's missed out on so many things. And the place that he's at, this pool that he's at, it's not like, you know, those pools that you see in like, the Caribbean vacation and they have like 400 pools and like beautiful palm trees and lawn chairs. It wasn't like this or that, excuse me. This pool was surrounded by people who were sick, who needed healing. There was probably a lot of crying. It probably smelled bad, okay? People who can't move their legs. The setting for this situation is very sad, not ideal. And so we get an idea of what this setting is. But something that stood out to me that I wanna highlight for us today are actually three problems that this man was experiencing that we can identify with. The first problem is that he was looking in the wrong place. And here's what I mean by that. 
The pool of Bethesda was a healing pool. This was not part of the temple. So if you were to go back into rewind the time and you were to actually set foot into this setting, the pool was not part of the temple. This wasn't something that God offered people. This was actually something that was created for pagan worship, uh, for worshiping false gods. And the story was, is that this is how this would work. We'd all be gathered around this pool. And the mystery was, and what was told, is that at this healing pool, when these bubbles come up, which are P.S. stirred up at the bottom of the pool by this angel, this angel stirs up with his wings, and all of a sudden these healing bubbles surface. Now, here's the trick, though. Of all of us in this space around this pool, the first one to get to the bubbles is the one that gets healed. No pressure. And so you have all these people gathered around, and they're just waiting for the bubbles. They're waiting for it. And then when the bubbles begin to come out of the ground, they rush to the center, and it's the first one who gets there gets the healing. That's, that's, that's what's told. That's what we know. This is what culture at that time said to do. You're sick, you need to go to the healing pool. But good luck, you might have to wait a little bit, but at some point you might get healed. Now we can... We can Fast forward a little bit, and we understand that those bubbles coming out of the ground were just natural hot springs. But that wasn't what they were told. This is what they knew. This is what they did. And sometimes when, you know, this guy, he's, he's been living in, at this pool for years and years and years. He's been waiting to get his healing. And when you've lived with something long enough, you don't consider there's another way. He probably, he probably hadn't even heard of Jesus at this point. Didn't know that there was this uh, Jesus that walked the earth. But this is what he did. This is what culture said. When you live with something long, long enough, you don't know there's another way. When I, uh, here's an example. Um, how many of you like tacos? Anybody in here like tacos? I love tacos. Our family is a hardcore Taco Tuesday Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I will eat them any day of the week. Yeah. You can ask Andy. I will never turn down some tacos. And a few years ago, I was talking to a friend, and, and you know, we were exchanging ideas. Like, what do y'all normally eat during the week? You know, because you got to eat dinner every day. And I'm like, oh, we always do tacos. That's always a given on our menu is we always do tacos. And she's like, you know... Now that you say that, you know, we've tried Taco Tuesday, or we've just tried doing tacos in our house, but it never tastes right. And I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> Tell me more. Let me help you. Um, they're telling me about their experience, and they get the hard shell. You know, I know there's a hard shell taco person, soft shell. You're going to be real legit. You're going to get the corn tortilla, okay? But we're talking about hard shell tacos today. And they said every time we do it, it just tastes terrible. I'm like, why? What's wrong? What's, what kind of hard shell tacos are you buying? Like, we well, buy the ones that, you know, are everywhere. I'm like, well, tell me how you prepare them. Well, we open the box, cut the paper off. You know, this sounds appealing already. And we fill them up and we eat them. And I was like, mm. <laughs> Do you bake them? No. Oh my gosh, you have to bake the taco. If you don't bake the taco shell, then it's just a stale piece of cardboard, right? It, it tastes awful. 
right? The box it came in tastes just as good as the shell if you don't bake it. And so taste and see that the taco shell is crispy. That's how you have to repair the taco, right? And we think, oh my gosh, that's so silly. That's so crazy that they would continue eating stale tacos. But that's all they knew. We think this guy's crazy because he's going to this pool where an angel flutters his wings and bubbles puff out of the ground. But that's all he knew. That was the healing pool that he ran to. And you think, well, you know. 2023, we don't have these healing pools set up in Kennesaw and Ackworth and Woodstock, but we do have healing pools. We do have healing pools that we run to where we're looking in the wrong place. Culture's going to tell you, he told, the culture told this man, run to this healing pool, but what does our culture tell us to do when we're hurting, when we're in need, when our hearts are broken? This is more than just healing of being paralyzed. There's, there's depth. There's something in his soul that needs restoring. And culture would tell us, oh, well, you know, just numb the pain with substance. Oh, you, you don't, you're tired of being lonely? Just, just hook up after hook up. Don't even get involved in a relationship. You at least be with somebody. You've been hurt. You've been betrayed. Your heart grows bitter. I'm going to isolate myself. My healing pool is my living room and my Netflix series, and nobody can tell me any different. We all have our healing pools. Where is your healing pool today? Who is your healing pool? What are you running to? Because I can tell you the healing pools that we run to in 2023 will do just as much good as that healing pool did for that man. What's the problem? We're looking in the wrong place. The next two problems actually go hand in hand to me, but they can be individual, but I'm going to share them together. The second and third problem is he finds excuses and he blames others. Now, Jesus walks up to this guy. This guy doesn't know who he is, okay? Walks up into this man's business and he's like, hey, do you want to be healed? Do you want to get well? Imagine we're not at a healing pool, but if you're, if you got something going on in your life and it's tough, and it's not been going well, and some stranger just walked up to you and was like, hey, do you want this to change? Of course. Of course I want this to change. But here's what he says to Jesus. He says, well, sir, I imagine a little attitude there. Uh, sir, someone, nobody will pick me up and put me into this pool. And every time those bubbles come out of the ground, everyone beats me to it. He's got a reason. He's got an excuse. Yesterday, Andy and I had the joy of getting to go see a show um, in downtown Atlanta. And, you know, we, again, we don't know this guy's situation as far as how he ended up where he is. But sometimes we're in the situation we are of our own doing. And then we like to blame and find excuses and what I mean by that is yesterday, Andy and I went downtown to see a show, and we knew the night before, because we live in Atlanta, this is the time that we need to leave in order to be there. So if the show's at 2, we need to leave at 9 a.m. Uh, to be there on time. And so we, we knew what time we needed to go. We got out the door a few minutes later than we were planning, and so I'm like, I got this. Pull up the GPS. God bless these electronic technological advancements that we have and the satellite beamed down and told us 
exactly where to go and where to turn to avoid traffic. It was amazing. And so I'm like, listen, this is what the GPS is telling us to do. So when we get here, it says it's 11 minutes faster. So let's do it. Do you agree? I made sure he agreed so that if it failed, he could not blame me. Y'all know how it is if you're the navigator. People are like, how dare you? Anyways, so we agreed. We exited. We went through all these beautiful neighborhoods somewhere in Atlanta, and we got to a point where we couldn't move. Uh, there was lots of traffic because all of Atlanta was using the same app, and we were all trying to go same place. And so we get to the point where the GPS has told us this is where you're going to get back on the interstate. I'm like, it's right up here, babe. I said, did you turn? It's going to be right there. So we get there, and it's completely shut off. The entry point to get back on the interstate is completely blocked off. Now, I know we left a few minutes late. I know. I know. But I was so mad at that GPS. <laughs> and the reason I wasn't getting where I wanted to get on time was because of the GPS. It was not because I left a few minutes late. It was because of the GPS. So then I downloaded a second GPS app, and I was like, I'm going to have two of y'all running at the same time so that I can figure out where to get to where I need to faster. Didn't help me. Didn't help us. We got to where we needed to be at the time we needed to be there, but I'm going to tell you, we blamed every stop sign, every street light, every car that would not let us go ahead, every traffic signal, you name it, we were blaming it. You blamed it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He just said, I blamed it. Y'all know what's true, okay? <laughs> Sometimes we end up in situations because of our own doing, and we end up finding reasons as to why we're in this situation, and we blame somebody or something, or we find excuses. Well, I couldn't leave at the time we left because the kids needed this, and this needed that. I couldn't get to where I needed to be because dot, dot, dot. And sometimes we end up in the situation we're in because somebody else is doing. And that's even harder. Because now, it really is not my fault that I'm where I'm at. But because of someone else's choices, or because of somebody else's doing, I'm in the place that I'm in. And so when you ask me, when the Lord says, do you want to be well? I'm going to tell you, I'm here because they broke our marriage. They are the ones that turned their back on me. They're the ones that didn't want to try. They're the ones that let go. And we find people and places to blame. And here's the greatest thing about this. Jesus finds this guy sitting at the pool, and he says to him, do you want to be well? That's all he says. He doesn't say, tell me how you got here. What decisions did you make to get to this place? Do you want to be well? He didn't say, tell me about the people that have wronged you in your life and have made you in this place you're in. He simply says, do you want to be well? Do you want a way out? Do you want true change? When Jesus, when we translate the verb well, in scripture, 
It actually means made whole. Permanent change. So when Jesus is saying, do you want to be well? He's not asking the man if he wants healing of his paralyzed body. He's saying, do you want to be made whole? Do you want true change, permanent change in your life? So if the problem is the healing pool, and the problem is we find reasons and excuses, whether we got there on our own or because of somebody else, if the problem is that we blame others, we need a solution. And the solution is this. What do we do? We say yes to Jesus. We see this man sitting by the pool, and Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And he comes up with all these reasons as to why he hasn't been made well. And I can't imagine the emotion that this man felt. To be acknowledged by someone, number one, probably having felt very alone by this pool, waiting year after year, month after month, day after day to be healed. And someone comes up and speaks to him and says, do you want to be well? It's clear that his response was yes, because Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And he does it. He picks up his mat and he leaves the healing pool. What do we do? We say yes to Jesus. And here's why. We believe that Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. We say yes to Jesus and all things, everything else changes. My perspective, the way I treat people in my life, the way I handle stressful situations, the way I walk out being hurt, offended, bothered, annoyed. Jesus changes everything. Patrick, can you come on up? When you say yes to Jesus, your life is transformed. And we witnessed up here just a few minutes ago one of our students whose life has been transformed. She got baptized last year. She's on fire for Jesus. She's hungry to know what the Bible says and do what it says. Don't ever underestimate. Don't ever discount the miracle of a transformed life. When you say yes to Jesus, your life is transformed. I have seen marriages on the brink of death be made whole because they said yes to trusting Jesus. Hearts were humbled. I've seen people. I see this room filled with people of different economic statuses, demographics, ethnicities, political lines. Hello. But because our hearts are surrendered to Jesus and we say yes to him and he changes everything, that's not a barrier for worship to us. It actually is what makes God known that so many people from different ways of life can come together and say in spirit and in truth, we are united by the blood of the lamb. To witness teenagers and, and to witness college students at our Every Nation Conference 
put God before anything else, that is a transformation.